Welcome to Chromodiversity, a podcast for clinicians, therapists, and families about common genetic diversity. In the first part of season two, you heard research about early age social and emotional development of children with common genetic variations that can be linked to higher rates of neurodivergence, such as dyslexia, ADHD, and autism. The second part features the lived experience of some remarkable individuals from different places around the world who happen to have a particular genetic variation in their DNA. They've agreed to share their eye-opening personal stories with you of what it's actually like to grow up with chromodiversity, some for the very first time. Hi, I'm Elliot Pollack, founder of MyXXY Chromodiversity Foundation, and I'll be your host. In this episode, you'll hear the first part of a conversation with Stephen Maller from South Africa. Stephen is currently the only known published author in the world with an extra 47th X chromosome, a common non-hereditary genetic variation, also known as Kleinfelters in males and triple X in females. His book, Living With My X, is an astonishingly frank and deeply personal account of a man growing up and living with chromodiversity. Stephen is also the founder of a South African nonprofit dedicated to Kleinfelters called XXY47. He has biked and driven thousands of miles across the country, speaking and sharing information with people from every walk of life. In addition to his advocacy work in South Africa, Stephen is a member of the Global Advisory Board of MyXXY Chromodiversity Foundation. Hello, Stephen. Thank you for being with us today. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Elias. Stephen, one of your superpowers is an excellent sense of touch and kinetics. You're a professional practitioner of a kind of traditional Asian massage that can require years to master called shiatsu. How did you end up in this profession? I studied um, shiatsu for a long time, 1999. I'm actually a printer by trade. Uh, I have a trade test and everything. Uh, I had a lot of problems with my back. I was told by a fellow um, massage therapist, maybe the way to get rid of my back pain is to go and study a form of massaging or one of these modalities. I moved from Johannesburg to Cape Town where I went and studied Shiatsu for two years. And thereafter that I've done quite a few other things, Reiki, Shiatsu, trigger point therapy and, and so on. And that's pretty much what I do in between raising awareness for Kleinfelter syndrome. How old were you, Stephen, when you found out that you had a genetic difference and how did you find out? I was diagnosed pretty late in life and and, and, and people often are quite surprised. I mean, you know, most people are, uh, I think are diagnosed at a much younger age. I was diagnosed at 17 years old. Um, at the time, my mother must have gone to 10 doctors and said there's something wrong with my son because I've got an older brother. So she was doing a comparison of the two. Yeah, so eventually they discovered uh, that at 17 years old, after I had done so terribly at school, failing and just not getting it. That was when I was diagnosed. You know, I was doing terrible at school and uh, brother and sister were doing pretty good. And I, and I think that, and I was also very small. I, I think it was the sheerest, uh, because of my size, was more of a concern. I, I was four foot nine or something. 
as I say, when, when my mom went to different doctors, they just said, no, your son will grow. And she said, well, I have an older son who is, who is about five foot seven. So there's something that is a mercy. I, you know, I suppose not blaming the doctors, they didn't have a clue. They didn't know what it was. And when I, we walked into a new doctor, we moved into a new area. And as we walked into the room, he literally had a look and he said, I know exactly what's wrong with your son. And with that, he said, I'm going to send, send you for a genetic uh, testing. And we are known to have uh, longer legs and longer arms. And, but once they put me onto a course of testosterone injections, um, in, in a space of six months, I literally went from, from, from four foot nine to six foot one which was a problem because your bones and everything stretched and, and caused other problems later on in life. How did it make you feel when you found out? And do you feel differently about however you felt at the time now? I think partly because at 17 years old, you're kind of still a, you're still a youngster. You, you, you don't take it all in. Even though the, you know, the doctors didn't tell me what I know today. It affected me more that the fact that I was I was suddenly went from short to to quite tall. That was that was the uh, a good impact. What did the doctor say? Did you receive any counselling? Nothing. You know what? That that is probably the biggest problem I think worldwide today is there's zero counselling when people are, are diagnosed with it. I think doctors back then and even today are, are possibly clueless as to what exactly happens when when boys are diagnosed with Kleinfelter syndrome so pretty much just said um I took the dose of injections once every two or three weeks and goodbye that was the end of that which 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 is not the right thing to do In hindsight, what do you wish you had known? Besides the infertility, it's our bones are so much weaker. At the time of me being diagnosed, nobody gave any supplements for going forward for osteoporosis, um, osteoporosis affecting the bones, but also osteoporosis and affect, affect your teeth. People don't realize that bones and teeth are pretty much tied up together. And I've spent thousands of all the money that one has spent with broken bones and, and taking so long to heal. This is a problem with Kleinfelter syndrome is where we take months to heal. And in those months, it costs a lot of money because you could be losing work or production. I think the biggest blow with Kleinfelter syndrome is the infertility. You know, at 65 years old today, it, it still brings up emotions with it. Maybe society's to blame because they we've been conditioned to believe man needs school, you have children, white picket fence. It doesn't apply to us. And this is why I think we are affected by the infertility far more than your average male. If I may say, your average male might say, oh, that's great. You know, I don't have to use a condom. I can go out there and I can, I can go out and have sex with so many women and I don't have to worry about making them pregnant. We don't think like that at all. It doesn't even enter our brains. When I talk to people with Kleinfelter syndrome, it affects us as bad as, as, as women. When women are told this news, women literally go to pieces and we something similar. 
And that's why I come back to counseling. Doctors should actually counsel us if they educated us and they had more knowledge about this. It would make things much easier for us going forward. So what may be lacking is compassionate, yeah, a yeah, compassionate way for doctors or counselors to provide information. Well, you, you know what you'd like, you like it. And the, and the very word is compassion. When somebody, when Joe Stoke gets diagnosed with Klein-Falter syndrome, and, and a lot of men I've spoken to have said they were driving down the road, a doctor phones and just says, oh, hello, John, if you sterile, you can't have children, and puts the phone down. And we, we literally go to pieces because what they should be doing is saying, listen, John, I think you need to come in for a consultation. There's a lot more I need to tell you about Klein-Falter syndrome. Sit in the room and go blah, 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 blah. This can happen as you get older, when you break bones, so you've got to take certain supplements and so forth. But you can't have children. And, it, and there are IVF or adoption or, or, or there's other ways. And, and be more encouraging rather than just saying to somebody over the telephone, you can't have children. And that is probably the worst thing. And, and it's all doctors. I can't pinpoint and say it's one individual doctor. I was told when I was 25 and I was about to get married, my, the very guy that picked up my Klein-Falter syndrome called me into his rooms and said, listen, I've got bad news for you. I don't think you're going to be able to have children. And I said, not possible. Why didn't you tell me this when I was 17? He said, I didn't know. So it was all relatively new in 1974. Do you have a first memory of yourself as a small child? I was always very shy, very introvert. And, and I think Klein-Falter's borders on the on, on autism spectrum. I think, and I think that often comes up. So, so as a child, I never fitted in, if, if that makes sense. You know, I've, as I say, I've got an older brother. He could kick a, kick a ball and it would go into the goal. I'd kick a ball and it would go behind me. It wouldn't even go near the post. I was a very shy, I would just kind of sit in a corner in the house, find something and be distracted by nothing even. So, and, and I think this is often, maybe parents should pick this up and, and immediately see there could be autism. I'm not saying that all autism people have got Klein-Falter syndrome mm. or everybody Klein-Falter has got autism. Yeah. But a lot of the times if parents picked it up, that would be the starting point. Um, the one thing that I can't remember, I can remember that I had when I was younger, is I've, I've got a terrible temper, and I can remember having a bad temper even when I was a youngster. And apparently, talking to other Klinefelters people, we've all got very bad tempers, and <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why it comes up. You know, I, I, I never struggled to have friends. I mean, I had male friends. They walk differently. They picked up things differently. And I think a lot of them, when I was at school, often they thought, a lot of boys thought I was gay because our way is probably, because of extra X chromosome, you've got that feminine side to you. I knew there was something in this, but I didn't know what it was. And something, I, I, I couldn't connect the dots. 
And you know, when you hang around with all the boys and you're playing in the street, it doesn't bother you. But when you see the behavior of those boys and, and you look at yourself and you think, I'm not, I'm not like them. I don't do the same as them. I don't kick the ball the same as them or throw the ball. I couldn't throw a bloody tennis ball. I've, I've learned now to throw, but didn't have a clue. So that made you very different when somebody threw a ball at you and, and they said, throw it back. And you threw it and it literally landed in front of your feet. You know what? It's embarrassing, but it's just one of those things. And then you realize that's how different you really are. But it's also an inner feeling that, that you feel. I've just spent some time with um, a man by the name of Carl, six hours out of Cape Town. And he's also got Klaufhauter syndrome. We, we sit down and it's like we, we understand each other. What did you enjoy most as a child? I used to love drawing. I used to love drawing and I, I visualized myself being an architect or something. Love drawing. I, I loved reading. I've, I've always been a big reader. Always had a book. You know, I read the famous five and Edith Blyton. So there was always a book around. We used to we used to have a table tennis table at home, and it took me months to perfect that. I became very good at that. I eventually learned to pick up that that little white ball coming at me. I used to get that thing hit on the head. I used to swing the bat. That ball was miles away from the bat. I eventually mastered it to the point of where I went to go play league table tennis for, for a club. But it took me a hell of a long time. I think the creative side of us, we, we may be a little bit more creative than your average male. Probably the, one, of the, one of the few positives. I say few positives. Oh, look, it's, it's, it's having an extra chromosome and getting broken bones and having problems with your teeth and having problems with your health is not a, is not a, is not a positive. And one thing I will say is that when it comes to girls or women, we seem to have a different conversation. And girls often like us probably more than your average male. Men would talk about cars and sport and probably sex. We couldn't be bothered about that. We we spoke about the water there and look at the trees moving around and, and smell the air. So the conversation is completely different. And it's something that has come up now recently that I see um, with other KS guys. We just have a very different conversation as opposed to our uh, other male counterparts. Even movies we watch. I tend to watch a lot of foreign drama movies my male friends tend to watch violent, very fast cars, shooting guns, you know, that type of thing. It, it, I, don't, I don't mind seeing the odd movie like that, but, but every day, no. How supportive was your family? My mom was relieved that, oh, we finally find there's a name to the struggle, the failing all and the broken bones and so forth but in our family i think it was just a matter of just get on and, and move on i think it caused a bit of a problem with my older brother because a lot of attention was focused on to me being constantly sick and having all these problems which is quite sad because today we we, we don't talk we have a very we, our relationship is not there it, it's it's very strained and girls are different. My sister and I, we, we kind of get on, but but they definitely played a part 
had I been normal boy, I think all three of us today would have been very close. So I think it definitely made an impact. My brother, um, as I say, I think he felt that too much attention was focused onto me, and it probably was. Can you talk a little bit about the transition from young childhood to becoming a teenager? Something that stands out for me, and, and after all these years, is that I noticed my friends were starting to get hair under their arms, they were starting to get hair on their faces. I didn't have any of that. And you kind of feel out because all boys, whether whether they were Portuguese, Italian, South African, British, or it didn't matter what culture they were, they were all getting the same thing around about the 12, 13 mark. And what stands out for me is is, is going to there was a there was a lake close to us, a dam, a lake near us. And they were just taking their clothes off and jumping in the water. Everything about me, penis, arms, legs, everything was smaller. And you know what kids are like when they're younger. So it, it kind of affected me. One friend in particular, I think he felt that. He didn't say anything. And he kind of became my protector. Were you bullied? All the time. Bullied by my brother, bullied by my sister's boyfriends. Uh, it, 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 and I think it's, I don't know if bullying comes because of the size, being a smaller person. I was bullied at school because I was literally the smallest person around. Yeah, I was, I was easy picking. I was bullied right up until my, um, uh, right up until I was, I was 22 and I went to go and study karate. And then it stopped. If you could talk to the child that you were, what would you say to yourself? Hey, kiddo, you're going to be okay, buddy. You know what? It's going to be tough. But you know what? At the end of all of this, you're going to come out to be a much stronger and wiser person. Thank you for listening to the first part of this exclusive conversation with Stephen Mallard about his lived experience growing up with chromodiversity. Stephen is the author of a five-star Amazon-rated book called Living With My Ex and the founder of probably the world's first nonprofit dedicated to Kleinfelters called XXY47. A good place to start for parents or individuals looking for practical information about this common genetic variation is his website, xxy47.co.za. Tune into our next episode to hear the second part of our conversation as Stephen shares key takeaways from his lifelong experience as an advocate for people with Kleinfelters. And don't miss its conclusion as he enters a surprise, unexpectedly revealing quiz.